psychotic geeks obsessed with every little detail. It'll never get on the air. Well, I think it's good for a show to go off the air before it becomes stale and repetitive. I've just been informed that we are going off the air. Off air with Emily and Catherine. Because Christopher is such a good, like, person. <laughs> Christopher Christopher and him, like, work together on side projects and stuff. Mm-hmm. He gives Christopher free meat. So we have, like, hamburger meat out of buffalo and elk in our freezer. Whoa. And so I made buffalo tacos. How was it? It was really good. I like it. It Elk upsets my stomach a little bit. So uh-huh. if I'm going to eat it, I have to make sure I'm not going anywhere the next day. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, my word. Or if I am going somewhere, I need to have like a good access to a restroom. Yeah. But uh we I made buffalo tacos and it was it was actually really good. Buffalo just tastes like a little tastier hamburger, so. See, I have had elk and mm-hmm. some I don't know. My my friend's dad is like a a hunter like that. Yeah. <clears throat> he has a picture with um Fucking cat scratch fever. Who's that guy? He's the worst. <sighs> He's the worst, I said. Yeah. Yeah, but he is. Yeah. Anyway, that guy. There's a picture with him. He's a big hunter. Anyway. Talk. What's his name? Yeah, I know. Fuck. Why can't I can't remember that. I think I know it, but Everybody I don't listening be is like, this guy, this guy. Um, but he made it for all of his friends for his graduation party. <laughs> yeah. I remember not enjoying it, so. But I'm not a big meat eater. Yeah. I get that. You're so woodsy. I just want to show you really quick my sister, who is only like four or five years older than me. Yeah. Um, She doesn't understand like texting. (laughs) Uh, I think she thinks if I don't immediately reply, I didn't get your text. So I sent her a picture. This was like before Christmas. Okay. These are just old. But look at all these replies. And then... Oh, those are normal ones. Oh, yeah. This is all the duplicates. same. Duplicates. Duplicates. And then I just sent her, because um, the day we recorded was her birthday, and I said, hi, Trish. Happy birthday. Love you. Thank you, sissy. I love you so much. Thank you, sissy. I love you so much. Thank you, sissy. I love you so much. And I sent back, I love you, too. She had already gotten another one off. Thank you, sissy. I love you so much. That's hilarious. Yikes. I love you, too, but not that much, I guess. Not as much <laughs> not as you four love times. me. <laughs> not that often. Oh, oh man. Goodness. <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah. All right. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Thank you, Sissy. I love you so much. <laughs> uh, welcome back to another episode. It's Monday. Monday. Monday, Monday, Monday. No, that's Sunday. That's Sunday, fine. Sunday, Sunday. Off air with Emily Pedra. That is us. Hey, it's this us. This is we. We is me. I is you. Oh, my gosh. I know. Freaking now. <laughs> I don't either. Um, I'm Emily. I'm Patra. And we're back. Did we you have a good Valentine's Day? Yeah, you know, you know. it was whatever. Karaoke. Karaoke. It, I'm, I mean, I love people singing terribly, yeah, honestly. it's the best. Yeah. Uh, Cher was great. Of course. Obviously. You didn't murder her. You no. didn't jinx her death. No. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> oh, God. Did... Do you have any plans for this? Not week? eating again. What is this? Let me look. I think I do. <gasps> I do. Guess what is this weekend? What is this weekend? Dance marathon. Oh shit! To yeah. support to support Turning Point Domestic Violence Services. It is Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month. I have two teens, and um, I'm going to be a part of one of the games, the game shows <gasps> that they do. And I all I'm supposed to be there at eight thirty for the game show p.m. 
and then back at 1 a.m. to 4 a.m. to volunteer because I'm an idiot. Dang. And I guess I care about kids. Stupid. Stupid. I have an eye doctor's appointment today. Ooh, shit. Getting new eyeballs? (laughs) No. Just getting them checked. Uh, Christopher has one, too. Same place, same, almost same time. Oh, my god. He was like, he's like, I have headaches really bad. He's, like, had really bad headaches the past couple, like, week, Mm -hmm. really. He wears glasses, yeah? Yeah, but but he only wears them to drive. No, I had LASIK done. Oh, Um, He only wears his to drive, but I think his prescription's not right anymore because he gets it almost, not immediately, but pretty much immediately after he wears glasses, Uh after he puts them on, and he's just had really bad headache all week. So I'm like, let's get you into the eye doctor. Is he your age? Is he 24? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Probably time to. two and a half months older than I am. Aw. And, yeah, so he was like, will you schedule? Because I used to work for an eye doctor. Mm. Oh, yeah, okay, yay. And so I still see that same eye doctor that I used to work for. And she opened a new practice in Franklin. Shout out Blue Iris Optometry. Ooh, (laughs) Blue Um, Iris, that's a cute mm -hmm. name. I like it. So she opened her own practice in Franklin, and that's where we're going tonight. So it'll be fun. Sweet. It'll be a grand old time. Um, So tell me about LASIK a little bit. Did you have um, horrible vision before? Yeah, I couldn't see. Like, this is as clear as I could see. Holy like, And cow. I'm holding my, <laughs> that I'm is holding so my hand two inches in front of my face. Yeah. And that was, that was as clear as I could see. Everything else was blurry. Like, if I was looking at you right now, mm-hmm. you'd just be colors. Yikes. Like, I could see the, I couldn't make out your features. I could tell that you were, like, where like, your eyes were and stuff, but that's just because your eyes are obviously darker than your face. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I couldn't, couldn't see worth a damn. Damn. So, when... Before, when Christopher and I started dating, I lived on, but lived by myself. Mm-hmm. I had lived with a previous boyfriend who was a douchebag prior to breaking up with him. Okay. <laughs> and, Bye. And moved out because uh, obviously I wasn't going to live with somebody I didn't like. Yep. Um, so moved out and moved into an apartment. And the I had two apartments, both for a year. Mm-hmm. The first apartment, whatever. The second apartment, I realized I was on the first floor. And... I realized Yoda, my cat, mm-hmm. would take my glasses and play with them. He would knock them off my debt on my table, uh-huh. and he would play with them. And I was like, what happens if, God forbid, somebody breaks in? Yoda Ooh. Yoda has played with my glasses to where mm. I cannot find them. Right. And I'm dead because I can't see. Right. Especially, you just have to sit there and let them kill you. in the dark. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. And I was like, I'm, I'm dead. So I was like, with... Working at the optometrist, I had a, a decent discount on LASIK. Yeah. So I was like, well, shit, I'm going to get it because I'm not staying here forever. Because I was in school for radio at the time. So I was like, right. I'm obviously not staying in optometry forever. So I got it done and I could. So it's a 10-minute procedure, like literally the quickest thing ever. Um, I was there for two and a half hours because pre-op takes – Two hours. Right. Because you have to do all these drops, your steroid drops, your numbing drops, your antibiotic drops, all these all these drops okay. that you're taking or that they like flood into your eyes. Mm-hmm. And then they give you a Valium to calm you down because you're awake. That sounds great. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> it, was, it honestly was really cool. Um, you're awake the entire time. And so they Ooh, take me back. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that bad. Um Take me back, and I lay down in the machine, and they 
they put the you know the real creepy like metal clamps to hold your eyelids open. Yeah. They put those in, but your eyeball is is completely numb. So you feel it a little bit like on your eyelids, uh. but it's just cold and kind of just like annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't hurt or anything, but your eyelids completely numb, so you don't even realize it. And then mm-hmm. they tape down your eyelashes so though your eyelashes don't get in the way. And so um, you can't blink. So yeah, you-, you can't blink, but it's. <clears throat> It was weird. Like, that's what I was thinking was, like, you feel like when you blink, your blink is so, like, uh, you yeah. know? You feel like your blink is so powerful. Yeah. But it, I mean, I don't. I honestly don't really remember. I mean, obviously you blink because that's just, like, a natural. Right. It's a, I don't know what that's called. Reflex? An, an unconscious reflex oh, okay. or something like I that. I don't know. I don't know. So your eyes open and then they flood your eye with antibiotic drops. Okay. Um, so your eyes just like soaking wet. And then they, on one side, they take a laser Uh and it zoops into your, well, okay. First they, you know how, if you push on like the corner of your eye, how things like go fuzzy. Mm -hmm. So they do that, but they do it with a, like a little disc thing Mm. on your entire eyeball. Mm -mm. And that, that kind of freaked me out, but he tell he, the doctor I had was so great. He tells you the entire time, like what he's doing. Mm -hmm. So you prepare for it. So he's like, this is going to come over your eye. Things are going to, you're going to feel, I didn't feel anything. No. But he's like, you're going to, it's going to go fuzzy. And I was like, okay, that's fine. And he goes, and then it'll come right back. So he, he pushes down on your eye and make it fuzzy. And then the laser goes in. No. At that point, I don't remember what he did at that point, mm. but then he takes it off and it comes back. And then at another point, the laser comes in and it just, the LASIK I got, it cuts just a flap in your mm. cornea mm-hmm. spot. And then um, he removes the flap. Mm. He, he doesn't remove it. He just moves it. He peels so, it back. Yeah, peels it back. And mm. then mm. Um, at this point, and I don't know. The la- so the laser cut the flap, he peels it back. And then, so the way, like, vision works mm-hmm. is... Huh, um, <laughs> yes, um, tell me more. With my with my vision, and I don't... I think this is... I It's been so long since I've thought about it. But I have... If you've got really bad vision where you, you're nearsighted so you can't see far away, mm-hmm. you're, there's cells that build up on your eyes... And obviously they're like microscopic. So mm-hmm. it's not like your eyes are, if you have real bad vision, your eyes aren't like bulging out of your head. Like corneas aren't bulging out of your <laughs> I head. I wish. But so that's what causes your vision to be blurry is these buildup of these cells. So he goes in and he like wipes them off, mm-hmm. basically. He removes them. And then he, I mean, it's consistently rinsing your eyes and stuff. And then he just folds the flap back over and then... That reminded me of, and this creeps some people out when I tell them, but you know the scene in Toy Story 2 where the old guy is cleaning Woody up? Yeah. And he goes over his eyeball and his eyeball gets real shiny yeah. with a Q-tip? That's what it reminded me of is when he, <laughs> when he like, put the flap back over where yeah. it belonged. And then, Oof. Um, and, like, all, and did the other eye and all that was done in five, ten minutes. And so afterwards, <clears throat> you can blink like normal. It doesn't mess your flap up? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Your <clears throat> eyes heal incredibly fast your eyeballs because they're wet i don't really know why huh. to be honest but they they heal very fast so i 
the things over. I didn't feel any pain. I felt uncomfortable on one one spot on like my left eye or something, but they mm-hmm. give you a stuffed animal to hold on to in case you get scared so you can like squeeze instead of reacting with your eyes right. like you normally would. So there was one spot where I got a little uncomfortable. It just felt I don't even know how to describe it. It was just uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of squeezed on, and then it was over within, like, a second. Wow. Um, but I sat up, and I could see the nurse. And she was, like, from where we are, which is two feet. Right. I could, she helped me up because, I mean, I had Valium in my system. Mm-hmm. Um, she helped me up, and I could see her. Things were very, very cloudy, mm-hmm. but I could see her. And I was like, oh, shit. <sighs> so... You have to keep your eyes closed. You have to go home, take a two-hour nap. Doctor prescribed two-hour nap. Oh, my gosh. This sounds great. Yeah, it was fantastic. So I get really motion sick in the car regardless. With my eyes closed, it's even worse. So my doctor, Christopher, took me. My Mm. doctor was 45 minutes away from my house, and I had my eyes closed, and I was so nauseous and the Valium didn't kick in until after the appointment was over Uh. on the car ride home so I was nauseous and loopy no yeah so I was like I was bent over like holding my eyes closed because at that point your eyes start to burn like if you just get Uh. something in your eye and they just start to burn so my eyes were watering so I'm holding my hands over my eyes bent over Mm -hmm. and I'm just like just get me home and so I get home take a two-hour nap and then I wake up and Christopher's playing video games Mm -hmm. and I look across the room and I can see the fine print on the tv which I haven't been able to see without correction and I don't even freaking know how long oh my god I mean it was so cool. Things, once again, were still very cloudy. Mm-hmm. But by the next morning, things were still a little cloudy, and but I was cleared to drive. Mm-hmm. And then Monday, I had – so I had my appointment on Friday, had a post-op appointment, one-day post-op appointment Saturday morning. By Monday, I was at 2020 Vision, which before I had been over 2,600. Holy cow, dude. Like, I couldn't see, you know, the big giant E when you go to the eye doctor. I couldn't even see that. Obviously, I knew what it was Mm -hmm. because, A, I worked there, and B, like, that's what's at the top of every optical chart. But I couldn't even see that prior. Afterwards, I could see 2020. And now, after things healed, Mm -hmm. I'm at 2015, which is better than perfect. Dang. Best decision I've ever made in my life. I love that. Shit. I mean, I don't have that bad of vision, like... This monitor is a foot for me. Um, I can read it with mm-hmm. my glasses off. I need them for seeing, like, for seeing um, the computer monitor when it's, like, little text. Yeah. Um, did somebody need us? Oh, my God. You God. just look like a fucking idiot. <laughs> like, you don't even understand how stupid he just looked. Oh, well, I might. I might get it. Thank you, sissy. I love you so much. I got one more. Five texts. Jeez. Five of them. I love that, though. Okay. So good to know. Best decision I've ever made in my life. My son has perfect vision. My daughter has horrible vision. And I would would think about it for her. Like, it's really bad. But she also has... Really bad astigmatism. Now they can do it. Yeah. I mean, it depends on... It depends... There's certain Mm -hmm. things that they... I mean, we did... 
you have to do a consultation first mm-hmm. in which they, they retest your prescription and they check like the mapping of your eye. Cause if your eyes shaped real weird, they can't do it. I don't, they do a wow. lot. Yeah. That's a lot, but uh, they can do astigmatisms now. Mm. So Interesting. It was really cool. It was, it was the best really decision cool. I've ever made in my life. Wowza. Yeah. Oh, okay. So there is one other thing that I'm going to do this week. That's kind of exciting. Yeah. What? My son, Ivan has a meeting for his Chicago overnight field trip this week. And I, oh, by the way, like one day in May, I won't be here because um, I want to go. So I want to go chaperone the Chicago yeah. trip with him. I did oh, it for fine. Amelia when she went. And um, what do they do in Chicago? They go to uh, that big science museum. Mm-hmm. They go to medieval times. <gasps> I love it. We I went to medieval times in fifth grade. I think it was. Yeah. That was the coolest thing ever. It's so much fun. Um, and then we go to Navy Pier. Um, That's fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And mm-hmm. I just want to go be with Ivan, my sweet little baby, before he grows up and hates me. We. So I don't. I don't remember doing it when I was in elementary school, but my little brother went to Lansing, which is the state capital of mm-hmm. Michigan, and to go to the capital in like third grade or something, like fourth grade maybe. I don't know. Okay. But my mom couldn't go. Mm-hmm. My dad never chaperoned anything really. Yeah. But I was like, he was like, will you go? I was like, hell yeah, I'll go. So I went, I was in in college. Right. But just like fresh in college. So I went and hung out with all these little stinking little kids. And it was, it it was so much fun. We had such a good time. (laughs) Um, It was great. When I took Amelia, she, I was like, okay, you can get a Chicago teacher. All the kids were getting shirts or whatnot. So her, um, souvenir from her Chicago trip was a Ferris Bueller (sighs) t-shirt. She's totally your kid. I know. That's awesome. Oh, man. So I'm just, I love it. It was so much fun. That's great. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Do you want to talk about some more murder? Okay. Let's do that. What is buzz? I'm sorry. It says I have an upcoming. Oh, it's the gym and I'm not going. (laughs) Oof. Yeah. Suck on that. Get it. Okay. Um, Are we ready? Is it, do I go first? Oh, no, you go first. I'm going to go first. Oh, snap. Okay. So my Mm. grandpa, who I saw a couple weekends ago. Yes. Over before Valentine's Day, which you know because I've talked about it for the past four episodes. Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, Told me this story. Okay. Okay. Grandpa told you the story. I'm excited. Yeah. So, uh, February 20th, 1987, Terry Wood came home to his Niles, Michigan home to find his 30-year-old wife, Roxanne, on the kitchen floor in a pool of blood, apparently hit on the head with a kitchen pan and with her throat cut. Damn. Yeah. Terry and Roxanne had spent the night out on town. Spent the night out on the town at the former HI's old town saloon um, in downtown Niles, which I know I've been inside this building because it they transformed it for those of you who are in the area to Riverfront Cafe. Mm. Um, it's being that shut down twice. Oh, <laughs> um, and it's being transformed into something something new. Um, P.S. Emily's from Niles. You might not remember that, but yeah, if you, if you don't remember, I'm from this town where this happened yeah. in 1987. I love it. Um, so they went to the former HI's Old Town Saloon in downtown Niles, and then later went to White's Bowling Lanes on South 11th Street, which I've also been there, but it's now closed. Uh, Roxanne went home first, and then when Terry arrived at their residence shortly after 1 a.m., his wife was dead on the floor. Mm-hmm. At 1.18 a.m., 
The Nile City dispatch was called, uh, 911 dispatch was called, and Terry was on the end of the line telling them that his wife, Roxanne, had been murdered and raped. Now retired Detective Sergeant Jim Jim Eubler, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, hmm. uh, found no signs of forced entry into the home and no evidence of sexual assault. An empty knife an empty knife sheath was found next to Roxanne's body, and investigators never found the weapon, which they believe was a fillet knife, even after diving for five hours during two days in the cold water of Brandywine Creek. During the investigation, over 200 interviews were conducted. Law enforcement officials investigating the case agreed that Terry was the main suspect. Terry would later offer a $10,000 reward for information leading to the arrest of Roxanne's killer. The case went cold. On April 13th, 1991, the case was reopened and was again revisited April 16th, 2001, when a 5th District cold case team reopened the three bulging blue binders of files. And they were like like the three-inch binders. Oh, yeah. Because I watched a um, news report on it, and it's a giganto binder. I love it. Um, there are three of them. And they investigated, uh, that cold case team investigated into Roxanne's murder for six months, re-interviewing the same people as in 1987. Sergeant Fabian Suarez of the Michigan State Police Niles Post 53 said that the cold case team also determined Terry to be the main suspect, adding that, adding that it was his conclusion as well. Mm-hmm. He believes the case is one solid tip away from being solved. Suarez says that Terry's story had never made any sense, and when police interviewed when police tried to interview him in 1987, the interview was interrupted when his family hired an attorney. Oh, snap. Okay. Since then, Suarez <clears throat> says that Terry has never contacted him about the case. In 2013, South Bend's WSBT reporter, Kristen Bean, which I met her and she's the coolest person ever. Kristen Bean? Mm-hmm. Hi, Kristen. Um, she attempted to catch up with Terry at his home, but he told them, told her that he'd been advised by his attorney not to talk. To not talk, and he wasn't willing to sit down and talk about the case, stating that, quote, because it's not my job to solve the case, I didn't murder Roxanne, and here it is 25 years later, and the state police are not doing their job. At that point, none of this is on the record, and that's it, end quote. Goodness. Yeah. I mean, if he didn't do it, I kind of get it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, In Bean's article, it also said that Terry later emailed an emailed a statement to WSBT saying, quote, my family and I are very happy that Kristen and WSBT are keeping the story in the forefront with the hope of someone coming forward with information that will help solve the murder of Roxanne Wood in our home on February 20th, 1987. As of 2013, Terry had never been arrested or charged. That's because something else was found at the crime scene, DNA on Roxanne's body. The DNA doesn't match Terry or anyone else that the police had talked to. Police need to know who the DNA belongs to, and they need an answer of why and where that DNA came from. The DNA is one of the reasons two Berrien County prosecutors have refused to take this case to trial, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. That's, like, one of the only things of evidence that they have. I mean, that's doubt. No matter. They can't. Yeah. yeah. Uh, February 2017 marked 30 years since the murder of Roxanne Wood. Police say she was likely killed by someone she knew. Lieutenant Chuck Christensen of the Michigan State Police said that, quote, the victim... The victim in this was younger. The incident happened in her home, and with the specifics of what happened led us to believe it was somebody close to the situation. Police are obviously looking for tips, so if you know something, contact the Michigan State Police. That's the murder of Roxanne Wood. Now, you did an unsolved murder. I did an unsolved murder. I love it. Now, 
It was really short, but there's honestly not a whole lot on the yeah. story. Obviously, there's like nothing. The local ones are tough to get yeah. info on. Yeah. yeah. Um, so here's two personal ties. Okay, good. First, as I was watching that news report, mm-hmm. I realized I know Roxanne's brother. <gasps> like personally. Like no. Oh him. my God. Yeah. Um, so that was that I didn't know that prior to like mm-hmm. an hour ago. <laughs> oh my word. Um second. The reason my grandpa told me this story was because obviously he knows that we're doing this whole thing. Mm-hmm. But my grandparents, when they moved back from Stillwater, Oklahoma, because my grandpa was transferred there for work, mm-hmm. when they moved back to Niles, they were going to buy that house <gasps> until they found out that Roxanne was murdered in it. And they were like, yes. yeah, no, <clears throat> no, thank so you. So they, they bought a house in the same neighborhood just down the road. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. Oh, man. So what do you think? You think he did not do it? To be honest, I don't really know. Like, there's, like, zero evidence, you know? Yeah. I mean, initial thought is, like, yeah, he did it. But they don't – I mean, there's not – there was DNA that didn't belong to anybody, you know? Yeah, like, what? so where did that come Where'd from? Where would that come from? Whose DNA is that? Yeah. How could he tell she'd been raped, just like her, I think her pose I or something? I don't really know if she was posed something, some way or if she was, like, like wearing how her a dress body and left. it, like, yeah. flipped up. or uh, Yeah, I don't yeah. really know. He, I guess he thought she was raped. Obviously, she wasn't because that detective found evidence, no evidence of sexual assault. So. Oh. Maybe she just, yeah. Looked. Yeah, maybe it was just the position she was in or yeah. the way her oh. clothes were. Or maybe there was <clears throat> blood there yeah, near that yeah. area that, I don't know. But, gosh. It's oh, crazy. man. That's good. Yeah. Oh, I love your grandpa. I do, too. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, he said thank you for wishing him happy birthday, too. Oh, my gosh. He's so <laughs> welcome. You have no idea. Um. <laughs> okay, so that was good. And it was February 20th? So that was also a Valentine's oh, yeah. Day-ish time frame. February 20th, 1987. Look at me go. Golly. I didn't even realize that. It's fine. You, no, you did. You did. Yeah. You I mean, realized Yeah, it. I totally knew that. It's connection. Okay, are you ready? Yeah. This is in, in contrast to my Scott Peterson case <laughs> from Valentine's Day. Okay. <laughs> On September 28th, 2000, shortly after 9.30 p.m., David Cam's wife and children, Kim 36, Brad 7, and Jill 5, are found shot to death in the garage of the family's Georgetown, Indiana home. So this is a local one because we had some people say that they liked local stories. This is the Floyd County, New Albany, Indiana area right across um, the river from Louisville. Okay. I, fun fact, I used to answer phone calls for that area um, when I worked for Comcast for like, I was 18 and I would be the person that would call you when your bill was late. (laughs) Or if your cable was out, you would call me and I'd be like, that sucks. We can come out next Tuesday. <laughs> we can come out next Tuesday between uh, 9 and 5. Yeah. <laughs> that was me. Hi, New Albany. Um, anyway, <clears throat> back to serious business. Oh. His wife and two children were last seen. That's not funny. His wife and two children were last seen. <laughs> I mean. Jesus I, Christ. Right? <laughs> leaving okay. swim. Okay. Focus. <clears throat> they were last seen leaving swim practice and heading home around 7 p.m. Wasn't that better? Yeah. Yeah. But don't do that the entire time because I can't take you seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Which was about the same time David arrived at the Georgetown Community Church to play basketball. This was about seven minutes away from their home, the church. David 
a former Indiana State Police trooper. Um, he had been with the state police just four months before. Oh, wow. Um, he left. I don't know what he was doing, but it was for better money. It wasn't like a scandal or anything. Yeah. He had been playing basketball with 11 other people at a nearby church at the time his wife and children were killed. David Cam called 911 in a tearful kind of heartbreaking recording mm. saying someone killed his wife and kids. Um, and you can hear the dispatcher say to like someone in the room, like get to Cam's house. Like, so they knew, like they knew him and recognized his voice and that, that he just was gave distraught. Me chills. I oh know. My gosh. <clears throat> it's, it's like a super sad, like, I know I don't have a computer, but it's a super sad nine one one call. He's panicked. Oh, okay. Um, David Cam had a gym full of alibis that evening, but police suspected him immediately. Um, Three days later, David Cam was charged with his family's murder based on an interpretation of bloodstain patterns on his shirt. Before I get into the bloodstain pattern issue, um, also found at the crime scene was a sweatshirt that did not belong to any member of the Cam family with the word, like a sweatshirt like I'm wearing, so like a crew neck shirt, mm -hmm. just gray, with the word um, backbone written in Sharpie inside the back collar. So... Immediately to me, it's from a group. Yeah. So you went to camp, you went to basic training, you use a Sharpie and you write your name on the inside of your clothing, right? Mm -hmm. Or prison, right? Yeah. Yeah. A big group of people, you're trying to keep your shirt. Nursing home, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they do their laundry. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> getting into the, uh, the bloodstain patterns on David's shirt. There were small, eight small stains of blood that were mistakenly um, interpreted as high-velocity impact spatter by a crime scene photographer. Um, the photographer was sent to the crime scene by Rodney Englert. A, um, he was hired by Floyd County prosecutors as a bloodstain and crime scene expert, but Robert Englert was not available to visit the crime scene, so he sent his photographer instead. Uh, I know. Um, I'm going to jump down here. Uh, the theory of the crime that the time of the arrest was that Cam returned home from playing basketball, shot his family, attempted to clean, attempted a cleanup before abandoning the cleanup attempt and calling the police. That is based on this photographer saying, um, there was a cleanup. So the photographer was like, it looks like it's been cleaned up. They thought it was a blood, that it was the crime scene expert. And they were like, well, the crime scene expert says... You tried to clean up this blood. I was just going to ask, is this like a crime scene photographer or just is this a situation where they don't have the funds for a specific crime scene photographer and they hired a photographer who has some experience in crime scene photography? Uh, yeah, it doesn't really <sighs> delve into that. But um, <clears throat> OK, some of the leading experts in the country on bloodstain pattern analysis analyzed the bloodstains on David's T-shirt like later. They concluded that the eight tiny blood stains were actually transfer stains rather than high-velocity impact stains from a gun. These transfer stains occurred when David's T-shirt came into contact with his daughter's hair when he removed his injured son from the vehicle. That makes sense. Yeah, so there was, like, droplets on the, on the end of her hair, and he, like, just brushed it and got it on his shirt. <sighs> the investigation of the murders was hampered from the beginning by several false leads. Um, so they think that Cam... He was playing basketball, okay? With 11 other people. With 11 other people. So there was um, three games played that night. The first game he played in, the last game he played in. The second game, all these other people say he was sitting on the bench. We, he, we didn't leave. He was there. 
Um, the police believe that he ran home because it's only seven minutes away, took like six minutes to kill his family and came back. Yeah. Because he tried to clean it up, apparently. Anyway. What? Yeah. No. Right? Okay, another piece of seemingly incriminating evidence was a phone bill seeming to indicate Cam had made a phone call from the residence at 7.19 p.m. on the evening of the murder when he claimed to be playing basketball at the church. Um, Cam also had a history of infidelity. Okay, hold on. Did that phone call come from the landline or from a cell phone? Okay, uh, I'll explain. Okay. Um, which police believed was the motive for the murders. Um, the phone call that seemed to prove Cam was lying about his alibi was disproven. The phone company discovered the inaccuracy stemmed from the confusion regarding back in 2000, Indiana's complicated time zones. Do you recall? Yes. Yeah. Okay. The call actually was made an hour earlier at 6.19 PM. Yeah. You stupid. Yeah. So it was one of those times where the state, half the state well, a little part of the state was on a different time zone than the rest of the state. Right. But we do daylight savings time now. Yeah, because I was going to say, like, if it came from, like, a landline, which you said it came from the residence, but mm-hmm. I, if it came from a landline, mm-hmm. oh, maybe it wasn't him that picked up the phone. Right. You idiot. It could have been anyone. But, okay. Yeah. Thank you for Yeah, so it was the time zones that, that. Stupid time yeah. zones. <laughs> I mean, you never know what time your show was on. No. It was terrible. So on that note, real quick. Yes. Christopher said something about, I think it was around daylight saving time. And he goes, I hate daylight saving time. And I was like, he's like, we should just get rid of it. Forget time zones. Forget (gasps) daylight saving time. Just like, just be. And I was like, yeah, but California would be dark at like. At weird hours, you know, we I don't was like, live there. I was like, Emily. And, yeah, I was like, and then when it's, it was, it was really funny. It was I, funny. I'm just going to forget about it. That's fine. Oh. It was a really funny conversation. He was like basically saying that all of the, like basically daylight saving time doesn't need to exist and time don't, time zones don't need to exist. And I was like, yeah, but mm. is China going to get up at midnight all the time to go? And that's like their lunch. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You get it? I get it. I don't know. Oh, my God. That was a better story in my head. <laughs> we need to have Christopher on. I know. <laughs> uh, okay. On March 17th, 2002, David Cam is found guilty no. of the murder. No, he's not. And sentenced to 195 years in prison. What the actual fuck? I know. So, let's see. This September 28th, 2000 is when they were murdered. He was found guilty March 2002. In August 2004, the Indiana Court of Appeals overturned the conviction. <sighs> The court cited the trial judge's decision to allow testimony from a dozen women who claimed they had affairs with Cam or had been propositioned by him, which unfairly biased the jury because the prosecutor did not adequately connect those relationships with the murders. And, um, okay, so it's similar to my Scott Peterson case, right? He Mm -hmm. was a shithead. Scott Peterson had more than one affair. I didn't mention that last week, but after Amber came forward... Two other women said, oh, I also had an affair with Scott while he was married to Lacey, just not currently having Mm -hmm. an affair with him. Anyway, um, so this guy, he was kind of a dick. And you, there was interviews with women like, yeah, he would always like try to rub my shoulders and be like, oh, hey. So just like a a creep. He was a creepy dude. Yeah. Um, In November 2004, a new prosecutor, Keith Hernandez, um, vowed that 
he would get Cam and he had new eyes on the case. He refiled charges against him. <sighs> January 26, 2005, Cam was granted a $20,000 bond and got to go home for a little bit. Okay. So he's been in jail for five years. Jeez. Um, February of 2005, so just a few days later, after DNA links him to the Backbone sweatshirt found oh at the scene, my gosh. Charles Bonet is interviewed several times by police and arrested in March. <gasps> and his last name is totally spelled Boney. Charles Boney. Yeah. March 2005, two months after he had been granted bond, Cam's charges are dropped and refiled with Bonet named a co-conspirator. Oh. So they're not saying, no. yeah, they're like, okay, but no. David Cam's still involved. No. Yes. No. Okay. So five years later, which David Cam and his <sighs> team had been trying to get this done the entire time, they finally run a test on the sweatshirt. Um, why didn't... Oh, I thought he was just coming in here. Why <laughs> didn't they... Why didn't they do it? Why? Um, what... Some of the interviews that I watched said that uh, it was supposed to be done and just never got happened. And they're like, why? Why? You know, the, the reporter's like, um, why? And one guy just said, I guess somebody dropped the ball. Well, that's a big ball to drop. That's my biggest fear. Just a short tangent here. Um, I am always afraid that I'm going to be like at any time if the police show up and try to arrest me for murder, I'm not telling them a thing because I feel like Evidence can be fabricated. Yeah. People can lie on my ass. I am not always the nicest person. What if somebody out there is like, yeah, that Patra's a bitch. Just let her go to jail. Yeah. You know what I mean? Ugh. Yeah. So they identify Charles Bonet and an unidentified woman because <clears throat> there was two DNA markers on the sweatshirt <laughs> that were not the cams as uh, being on the sweatshirt. Bonet was out on parole at the time of the crime, having been convicted of committing a series of armed attacks on women, uh, several of them involving the theft of shoes. Hello. The most recent attack was the armed robbery and attempted abduction of three women at gunpoint in Bloomington, Indiana. In some cases, there was evidence of stalking as well. Some of Bonet's previous victims had reported receiving harassing phone calls for a couple of months prior to the attacks against them. And he would ask them if they were wearing high-heeled shoes. He had previously admitted to police that he had a foot fetish. Um, back in college when he went to IU, he um, was known on camp. Like, there was a known uh, perpetrator on campus. They didn't know it was Charles Bonet that they called the shoe bandit. Oh, my lanta. Yeah. Because um, he used to, like, go and try to get people's shoes. <laughs> yeah. Um Okay, a detail he had later discussed with numerous news outlets. Yeah, he was like, yeah, I like feet. This detail <laughs> was suspicious to the defense because Kim Cam's shoes had been removed from her. She was in the garage. She, they just got home. The kids were still in the car. They were found in the garage. Her shoes had been removed and lined up neatly on top of the vehicle in the midst of a messy crime scene. So I'm real bad about taking my little tennis shoes off because I have like a dozen pair. Mm -hmm. And I, they're like next to each other in a corner of my living room. So if you walk in, you see like shoes, shoes, shoes. So they were lined up like that um, on top of the vehicle. Kim had a series of bruises and abrasions to the top of both of her feet. Oh. 
Um, I have a bruise on the top of my foot right now, and it is from the bands at FXB. I one slipped out of my hand and slapped right into my. Oh, it hurt. That's the worst feeling. It is. (laughs) I was like, man, couldn't that have been from like kicking the bag? No, it's from being stupid and like losing my balance and the band slipping out from underneath my foot (laughs) and smacking me. Uh, Bonet was interviewed and took a polygraph in which it was determined to be deceptive. He denied any involvement, claiming that he donated the sweatshirt to charity after he was out on parole and was cleared as a suspect. Two weeks later, his palm print was discovered on Kim's vehicle and he was arrested. Oh, my freaking Lord, have mercy. The other DNA sample was later identified as belonging to Bonet's then-girlfriend. So he, like, hung out wearing the sweatshirt, hung out with his girlfriend, then went and, like, murdered some people, took a sweatshirt off and left it, I guess. Okay, they waited five years to test this DNA. They waited five years to... The palm print? To look for a palm print? right. Why not? They knew it was David Cam. It was a Scott Peterson situation, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, following Bonet's arrest in 2005, Cam and Bonet were charged as co-conspirators no. in the murder of Kim and her children. Bonet was tried first, convicted, and sentenced to 225 years in prison. Okay. Bonet. Good. Get out of here. Yeah. Cam's trial began in January of the following year, 2006, with the affairs now inadmissible... Okay, good. Right? Because ultimately, who gives a fuck if he's fucking somebody else? Right. Prosecutor Keith Hernandez. Oh, my gosh. I almost said Keith Hernandez. Did I say that earlier? It's Keith Henderson. I don't remember if you said it. (sighs) Anyway. Argued that Cam was... um, Okay. Let me start over. Cam's trial began January 2006. With the affairs now inadmissible, prosecutor Keith Henderson argued that Cam was molesting their five-year-old daughter, Jill, and he killed his family to cover up the crime. Their evidence was a single blunt force trauma injury to Jill's genitals. A medical examiner who testified for the defense disagreed with the state's theory that it was the result of sexual abuse, arguing the child's hymen was intact and it was just one of many blunt force trauma injuries sustained by being struck during the fatal attack. So she was shot five years old. I don't know. She was shot in the head. The, the seven-year-old was shot in the chest, and the, the mom was shot in the head. I mean, if, so, if the mom had bruises on her foot, right, both but, feet, and that's obviously indicating to me, like, some kind of, like, aggressive, kind of weird positions. Right. So an accidental bump to this little girl. Right. And, I mean, he... Um, what's his name? David leaned over her. Like, you're going to rush. You're grabbing. Yeah. You know, like maybe you can obviously tell your daughter is beyond help because it actually turns out that they were, their time of death was about 8 p.m. and he got home about 9.30. So I don't know how long, what happens to bodies after an hour or whatever, but maybe he could see. I mean, the boy was shot in the chest, so you, you can't see her face. You don't, mm-hmm. you know, you know, she's dead. What if he just hastily kind of leaned over her, like, blunt force trauma? Could that be his elbow leaned into her body? Do you know what I mean? Like, when someone is getting up and they've been cuddling on you and they lean their elbow into your leg and you're like, oh, my, amputate my leg, you've murdered me. What if it was just a little, something like that? There was blunt force trauma and it says, like, one incident is all they could. Yeah. But, so they're like, he molested the girl and that's what happened. Jesus Christ. Okay, so let me get back. Okay, blah, blah, blah. 
the prosecution presented Bonet's story. So Bonet had a story that Cam was the shooter, but Bonet was there to sell Cam a gun. Cam was convicted a second time on March 3rd, 2006, and was sentenced to life without parole. You've got to be kidding me. No. So, I'm sorry. I'm it's away fine. from the microphone. My, my inner thigh is killing me today. I don't know what's going on. <clears throat> um, do I talk? I don't th- I think I left this part out. So, Bonet's story is that without any telephone interaction, no cell phone, no texting, 2000, and two, 2000 was a texting time, right? You could text then. Kind of. Not really, I guess. Um that they set up to sell him a gun and that um, Cam, like, tried to take it, <laughs> steal it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and then um, he was like, you, you, you're you, making me do this. It was like a big, dramatic, this <sighs> did not happen, dude, kind of situation. Anyway, convicted a second time, March 3rd, 2006, sentenced to life without parole. Stop it. Cam appealed the conviction, citing the prejudicial nature of the molestation allegations and the lack of evidence linking the injuries to Cam, obviously. Like, I mean, if she was molested, they don't know it was him. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) June 2009, the Indiana Supreme Court reverses Cam's second conviction, the court ruled that Henderson's closing argument mentions that Cam had molested Jill unfairly biased the trial jury because there was no evidence connecting Cam to the genital injuries found on Jill. Yeah. Right, obviously. What are you doing, Indiana? I know. Shit. Okay. <clears throat> Indiana Attorney General's request for a rehearing of the appeal is denied. December 2009, Henderson refiles murder charges against Cam. July 2010, Special Judge Jonathan Dart of Spencer County was appointed by the Indiana Supreme Court to preside over Cam's third trial, um, which did not begin until 2013. Cam's third trial begins in Boone County, where it was moved because of intense media coverage of previous trials. Also, the second trial, they brought in jurors from Johnson County. So did I mention that? October 22nd, 2013, closing arguments conclude in the third trial and the jury begins deliberation. Thursday, October 24th, two days later, David Cam is acquitted of murder. Yay, finally. Estimated costs of the three trials were $4.5 million. In December of 2013, Cam gave his first local media interview following the verdict and announced that he had been hired as a case coordinator for Investigating Innocence, a national nonprofit that provides criminal defense investigations for inmates. Um, in May 2014, Cam served notice of his intention to sue Floyd County and the state of Indiana for $30 million. In January 2018, Cam's civil rights lawsuit against the members of the Indiana State Police, prosecutors, and other officials was dismissed by U.S. District Court. Jesus Christ. So he spent, I think it was like a total of 12 years behind bars for this murder. Yeah. Very shortly. Like, you know how sometimes it takes years for people to get you know, mm-hmm. convicted and put in prison. Very shortly, he went to jail right after the murder, and he didn't do it. And they had a gym <sighs> full of people that said he was he here didn't and they didn't do it. Do it. They had um, that prison sweatshirt that Bonet's uh, nickname was in the back of it. His DNA was His in. DNA was on it. His palm print was there. Weird shoe stuff what? was happening. But... Cam had something to do with it. I mean, why didn't... you got to be kidding me. When they tried them together as co-conspirators, what were they thinking? 
Just go with it. It's like they didn't want to admit that they were wrong in the first place. Admit, dude. Yeah. Come on. I think that, I mean, that's what it ultimately seems like. Because when you talked about the 911 call earlier, it's like, oh, well, he must have been liked, you know? Right. Like they were like, oh, shoot, get to Cam's house, dude. Right. So you would think that, like, he was at least liked in that right. environment. But everything else after you said that is like, hate it. Like, it's like, what do you got against this guy? Right. I don't know. It that one was nuts. But you're gonna let my, my guy get away? Oh yeah, yeah. <clears throat> not that not, I'm not saying that mm-hmm. Terry was guilty by any means, right. but this guy was obviously not guilty. <sighs> They're like, oh, his alibi's too good. <laughs> A church full of people playing basketball. <sighs> uh, yeah. What in the actual heck? This poor guy. I know. I mean, yeah, he's a scumbag for allegedly having affairs with dozens of women. Dozens I of guess. Women. Yeah, that's that's its own thing. But seriously, seriously. Oh my god. I know, and I I loved that. I um I actually stumbled across this one looking for like a Valentine's Day yeah story, and I was like. Oh, no, I don't want to do this one for Valentine's Day. I think I that name sounds familiar, mm-hmm. but I didn't know anything about it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's, oh, my flipping Lord. It's good, right? <sighs> that was really good. That stressed me out, though, because that's scary to think about happening. Yeah. And Bonet was also, like, out doing interviews forever before he went to prison. Yeah. Just, like, chilling. Like, yeah, like, feet. Like, I get... <laughs> That's all he would talk about. Like, well, that's all he likes, I guess. I understand authorities have, like, that mentality that they're right and higher power, whatever. Right. But, like, and I think this might be some of the issues just in general with Mm -hmm. our system is people are afraid to admit that they're wrong. Right, or that they messed something up, or like that. Yeah, they didn't, or that they checked for, that DNA. They forgot to do something, or they told somebody else to do it, and somebody else didn't hear. Right. Whatever the case may be, like, yeah, you get it, admit it. Right. Stop trying to send this guy for jail for twelve years when he doesn't even need to be there at all. I mean, shit. Oh my gosh. And I mean, yeah. You always think it's the husband. I get it. You think it's, you know. Yeah. If I get murdered, look for the person closest to me. Yeah. Emily did it. (laughs) (laughs) Emily did it. Check the back of her sweatshirt for the word backbone. I'm not even playing around. I just, like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I want to know. I just don't understand why they kept, kept doing it. Why they kept going after him. I know. Like, leave him alone. Yeah. I agree. Like, what? Stick got shoved up your ass that irritated you so much about this guy that you had to completely go after him, not once, not twice, but three times. Uh Uh-huh. So maybe he was the kind of guy, because he was like a ladies' man type, um, even though he's not super attractive. Did he steal your wife? Oh, shit. Like what? Like maybe some guys were like, I fucking hate that guy. And some guys were like, oh, he's such, you know, he's like, he's funny and he's good to hang out with and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. He I had just, this lovely family. He was a church guy, but he was also kind of a, a douche. So I can see somebody taking, but take you you dislike him so much for being a douchebag that you want him to go to jail for the rest of his life. That's a little uh, intense, that's right? That's crazy. Yeah. Just admit that you didn't get 
backbones, DNA. I just don't understand. Like, what mm-hmm. what happened? I understand maybe, m- maybe the first one. Yeah. Because, like, I'm even though, even though I still don't even understand. Just because, try it. Yeah, I still don't even understand because there's 11 people that say, no, he was sitting right there. Yeah. His, his ass, his sweaty ass print <laughs> is still on that, ble- on that bench right there. He has been there all night. Okay. Go even ahead. with that, I understand potentially mm-hmm. convicting him the first time. Right. But twice again, two more times that, I just, oh. I know. I know, dude. Um, so the oh what was I gonna say oh shit I'm sorry no fuck oh I don't remember it was not important <laughs> my nail polish is chipping it's white nail polish white does painted that. it it's yesterday so pretty though I know it is pretty but oh, fuck I know two chips uh, if it's a good white nail polish then it chips immediately like if it's very opaque mm-hmm. yeah yeah this took. Two coats for sure. I think I put a third coat on it. A mm. very light third coat. Because, like, sometimes it'll, it'll like, look real good, but there's, like, just one spot that's real... Like, too thin. Yeah. And it looks almost grayish or yeah. something. Yeah. Mm. Stupid nail polish. Feel you on that. I don't understand. That was... I like that story. Good. That was a good one. You good. did great, but I hate it. Like, I just... It's because I don't understand. Yeah. I can't wrap my head around it. That's it's why insane. I don't like it. And, um, sorry, also, uh, Backbone, that's what I'm going to call him now, his girlfriend was like, oh, yeah, the night of the, the, whatever, the night of the, September 28th, 2000, yeah, he came home and was, like, had a little bit of blood on him and was, like, really worked up and shit, and I was just like, no one, if anyone had just looked at that for a minute, David Cam's life would have been so much different. They would have pulled their head out of their ass. Yeah. Not saying that I even like David Cam, because he kind of seems like a jerk. Well, yeah. He's kind of the type of dude that I'd be like, um, fucking pass. But yeah, one cheating husband did it, one cheating husband didn't. I just like the Scott Peterson comparisons. Yeah, yeah. it was good. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. If you have recommendations on your stories, let us know. I'll be with you, everywhere. And tell a friend. Tell a friend. And telephone. 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 That's funny. Telephone. <laughs> I got it. Did you? Because it's I like, mean, I it's got like it when that I, bills, bills, bills. I got it when you said it, but it's just. Can you pay my telephone bill? Funny. Can you pay my automobile? Do you get that? Do you I love that? my pants. <laughs> <laughs> my goodness. All right. Send us more stories. We love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye that's the wrong mouse again oh no